if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Please say forgiveness. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Sharing each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too... Imp- okay, I'm going to pause here. So I was sharing with the, the people in the first uh, church service. Like, I was sitting out on my porch. It was a Monday morning. The birds were chirping. I live in the country now, right? But please, I want to let you know I grew up in inner city Cleveland. Uh, it's a lot different than the countryside of Prospect, let me tell you that. Uh, there is no rap music or loud bass drums booming out of people's cars out that, unless it's my mother-in-law's car. <laughs> uh, and so whenever I read this next line, blew my mind, y'all. Let me tell you, blew my mind. Galatians, just a little background story, is written by Paul, uh, who is... Uh, obviously one of the leaders of the church at this time. He's like the head guy who is going out and, and preaching to the Gentiles, the people who aren't the Jews. As I read this, I was thinking to myself, goodness gracious, what got into Paul, man? He got a little gangster that day when he was writing a letter. <laughs> I could picture himself sitting there in a chair. It had to be like a fluffy couch or throne. Probably had like sunglasses on and like a gold chain or something like that. You are only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Goodness gracious. Is that just me or is like, is that blow your mind that that's in the Bible? You're not that important. That's what I'm here for today is to tell you that you are not that important. <laughs> Amen. Ushers? You're not that important. There's freedom in that. Please say freedom with me. Freedom. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Amen. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing in all good things with them. Do not be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always, always harvest what you harvest. Those who only live to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But to those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not grow tired in doing what is good. Because at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if you do not give up. Folks, it preaches itself. It preaches itself. Do not grow tired of doing what is good because if you continue on, our Father who makes us so many of promises gives you this one right here in Galatians 6. If you do not grow weary, he is faithful. Say faithful. Your harvest is on its way. Your harvest is on its way. Freedom through forgiveness. My mom was an angel of a woman, and uh, she spent a lot of time with me uh, bringing my brothers and up. 
and I up. I'm the middle child. I have an older brother and a younger brother. Uh, and like I said earlier, we grew up in inner city Cleveland. And uh, it was definitely an experience. Uh, it was a, a, a really wonderful time. And my mom told me, boy, a lot of people will tell you that there's two things that are guaranteed about life that, the, that you're going to have to do. And one is death. And what's the other one? And taxes, right, right. And she said, they're not telling you the truth. There's way more than that. And one of those things is that you're going to have to deal with pain. And you're going to be responsible for to know how to handle it. And whenever she told me that, I didn't know that it was going to necessarily be as true as it has been in this life, right? But she also told me that we have a God that is so good who is going to walk by us, please say something if you agree with me, step by step, and hold your hand all the way along the way. We have a good God. We serve a good God. And she shared with me that I needed at that time to check myself before I wreck myself. I thought my mom probably could have been a rap artist. Check myself before I wreck myself. Uh... Because someday, I might personally have to endure one of the hardest pains in life. Now, it's hard when you have a stranger cut you off in traffic, right? And you, have, and you feel that urge, that inner thing, that old self in you make you want to respond, right? Is anybody familiar with that old self? Do we still got a few old self people in the, in the building? Or is everybody a way farther than me? Please don't make me feel alone. <laughs> You're right there? Yeah, yeah. Maybe we shouldn't ride in the car together. That could be dangerous. <laughs> but she said, boy, one day you, you might have to deal with the pain that's caused from strangers. But one day you may also have to deal with the pain that comes from um, somebody that you love. I didn't know how true she was. I think I'm So one thing I didn't tell you is that I'm a father of seven guys. If, if you can get cue that first one up, there, there's a story that goes beyond this. So my son and I, Taylor, uh, you know, I'm a father of seven. Uh, it's a very important thing to me, um, and I was like, you know, I'm going to do something special with this boy. I love this boy, plus he kind of looks like me. Not that one. That one doesn't necessarily look like me, uh, but uh, so we were like, we're going to go to the baseball game. Any, any sports fans in here? We're going to go to the sports game. I step away to go get a hot dog, and my son, like my mother, forewarned me did something that was going to completely embarrass the entire family. Look at this. Goes crazy. Tongue out, belly out. And who in the world taught him to move his hips like that? He didn't learn that in my household. He learned that in Jack Workman's household. Everybody put your hands together for Grandpa and those hips. A very wise person once said, I think it might have been Jack, he said, hips don't lie. If so, lie. And the next photo right there was another embarrassing thing. One day I'm sitting in my, uh, in, in, my, in my room at my house, 
And uh, Aaliyah, my daughter, comes and says, Dad, you got to come quick. And of course, you know, we have a million kids, so I'm thinking either something's on fire or somebody's probably dead. Uh, and so I, I made my mind up and prepared myself for one of those. And she's like, quick, to the bathroom. And there's this, my, my boy, my, at the time, uh, four-year-old Jackson, who looks at me with a blue mark in his hand. He says, Daddy, I'm going to be the next Captain America. Spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen the newest one. He was not successful. He was not successful. So you can go ahead and grab your seats. You can grab your seats. So the first point that we're going to get to as we uh, take a journey real for the next few minutes to talk about freedom is we're going to talk about freedom for a few different people. And we're going to start out by discussing freedom for the oppressor. Freedom for the oppressor. As we discussed earlier, everybody has had somebody who has come against us, right, for whatever reason, at whatever time. And it's quite poignant, I, f I feel. PB, Pastor Brett, uh, came to me about three weeks ago and asked me if I would, uh, if, if I would share this morning. Uh, and I was in the middle of a battle that I did not see coming upon me. I got a little comfortable. I let my guard down, right, in the process of trying to do what I thought was good. So a couple years ago, I made a friend, uh, probably about a year and a half ago, I made a friend with a gentleman named Mike. And Mike uh, was a great guy. You, ever, you guys ever meet somebody and, you, and like, uh, you felt like you just instantly connected with them somehow? Um, Mike uh, was a little different from me. We're right around the same age group. I personally grew up in Cleveland, inner city. Mike was from the inner city of Columbus. Uh, and Mike had had a, an extremely tough time growing up. So like I told you earlier, I, I had a uh, beautiful mother uh, who, who was a saint. Um, I was all, also had my father at my house who was a good man. I learned many lessons from him. A lot of times I learned what not to do. Um, and I grew up making a commitment to myself that I was going to do my best to not teach my children in that way as much as I possibly could. But Mike had neither. Mike had his mom, and he had his father, and they were the ones that smoked marijuana with him for the first time at the age of nine. Nine. When I was playing cartoons, or as a lot of these kids in here today play video games, Mike was getting high with his mom and his dad. And of course, he was raised in it, and it led him in a direction. Do you think it was up, or do you think it was down? It went down, down, right? Even the youth amongst us know that. Fast forward, by the age of 19, Mike had had his second child with his girlfriend, and had his own very uh, heroin addict, his very own heroin addict, uh, addiction, excuse me. But despite the differences, uh, I was excited, right, y'all, right? You guys ever meet somebody, you ever find yourself in a situation, and you know this person is hungry, and you think to yourself, this person could really use the Lord. Let me see your hand if you've ever found yourself in that situation. And you know the joy, right? 
of introducing somebody to God, whether or not they've been with him before or this was their first time, it's, it's invigorating, right? I really believe that God has given me a bit of an evangel- evangelical spirit, right? And uh, there's probably people in this room that will tell you, like, get me going, all right? Get me going. I, I'm, I'll, I'll talk to you about them. I'll talk to you about them. Uh, so Mike and I, we ran into each other probably about three or four months ago, right? And still going through his ups and downs, times of sobriety, times of uh, not so much. And uh, he was just coming out of one of those seasons, and he was hungry. He was hungry. And I really feel, I know, God put each other in one another's path. So I reached out to Mike, and I brought him in, brought him out to the country to be out there with my family and I in prospect. And and in all seriousness, um, it was not weird for a span of two months or so for Mike to be out at my house with my family and I, probably four days a week, sometimes more. And we did it all. There was plenty of fellowship, right? And I got the experience to see the joy of seeing Mike refreshed, renewed, uh, as, as we went through the Word together, sitting down, breaking bread, eating dinner, going through Bible studies. I was blessed to hear Mike to be able to tell the truth to my kids and, and, and give them warning from a personal standpoint, right? Seeing this man cry as he spoke to my wife, talking about how thankful he was that God had redeemed him once again. So thankful that we serve a God that will bring us back once again. Amen? Tears of joy, right? Uh, and it was easy. It was effortless. It was nothing but joy, right? It didn't cost me anything. There was no cost to sharing the gospel to Mike. In his past, he had scores of broken relationships. His son, his wife, the the woman who was living with him. He lost his mother to drugs. And his father, he fought to speak to his father. There was true brokenness there. I was the one that got to do the fun part, right? The joy part. I'm good at that. I'm good at the, the, the easy, the joy, right? Shortly after that, Mike's um, girlfriend attempted to harm herself in a fatal way. And Mike, unknowing to me, took a dive. I didn't see it coming. I was so caught up in the euphoria of what I, what I, what I wanted to see that I didn't see what was actually going on in front of me. And those trips to my house were still going on four to five times a week, still sharing in the Word, reading through Bible studies, reading through verses such as the ones that we went through. Uh, And then one day my son and I were going to get into a project, and it required tools. Now, if I could tell you something about about myself, if you don't know me intimately, Beware of me with tools. Don't, if you see me with a tool in my hand and I walk towards anything you own, call the police. 
call the police. I'm up to no good. It's, it's going to end in tragedy. So uh, I don't know why in the world my son and I were looking for tools, but hey, we were looking for tools. Uh, and then we noticed that the tools weren't there. $100 set of tools. Surely they're somewhere, right? As I, as I share with you, seven kids, boy, things go, go, go away fast in my household. I was thinking to myself, those tools must have been in the refrigerator because everything disappears in the refrigerator in a matter of seconds. Then we looked for something else. Gone. Mike was still there. I was still there. That joy was still there. Then one Monday morning, I woke up, and my car was gone. My vehicle, gone. And foolish me, I should have put it together, right? Should have seen it coming a million miles away. Uh, I, I knew who had my vehicle. And so, out of pain, uh, dismay, surprise, in the birth of anger, I texted Mike, where are you at? Do you have my vehicle? No response. Listen, people. Be sure your sin will find you out, right? And I was sitting there, and I was thinking to myself, I'm good. I'm the victim, right? But that truth will hold fast for not only the mics of the world, but the shans of the world and the yous of the world, that your sin will find you out. And as I sat there, and there was no response, I get in my car to go, another car, to go look for my car. Went to Mike's house, nothing. Drove around, nothing. Pulled over, sent a text to Mike. Where was that joy that I felt just a week ago? Couldn't tell you. I could tell you where the anger was, the frustration. And I pulled out my phone again after no response to Mike, and I text Mike, who had a history of prison, who had been taken away from his family. His daughter was 18, just had a, a grandbaby of his. And I thought to myself, I know what I'll do. I know how to get a response. I know how to get my vehicle back. Mike, if you don't respond to me, and you don't bring my vehicle back to me, I'm calling the police. When it cost me something, the first thing that I did was to run to anger, not run to God. And I realized that I was right in the middle of my own Matthew 6 moment. It says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. 
So Matthew 6, 14 through 15 is the, comes right after what we refer to as the Lord's Prayer. Now, everybody knows that, right? Put your hands in the air if you know the Lord's Prayer, right? I, I, I did not grow up in a church, but somehow, some way, I was introduced to the Lord's Prayer. And it goes, and let's say it together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Time. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Christians, we love that, right? Who here knows that we serve a glorious God? Amen. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Right? We want him to have his will on earth as it is, in the, is for us, you know, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Now listen, men and women, I love to eat. So when I have God talking to me about how he's going to give me some bread or maybe perhaps some cheesecake, I'll be honest. <laughs> I love cheesecake. I'm an, I'm an addict myself. Uh, I'm all down for that part of scripture. I'll memorize that and write that on my heart. Uh, and get a bumper sticker for my vehicle about it. But the next one is, is one that he slid in on me. I didn't see it coming. You know, those first few parts is like talking about his responsibilities, right? So how in the world is God going to turn around and flip it on me and tell me something that I need to do? Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. Huh. Forgive us as we forgive them. How would life look for you if God forgave you the way you forgave your wayward parent. What does forgiveness look like for you if it comes in the shape of a child that has broken your heart way too many times for you to remember? Broken your spirit, sleepless nights. My forgiveness looked like this. Mike finally texted back after I sent that message, right? Hours later, 10 or so, um, I've dropped your vehicle off. It's over here. And he named the place, go and get it. I was already in town, so I did as I was told. I was a good boy. And I went and got it. I secured it. And there's my, my uh, vehicle sitting with the key in the ignition and, uh, and, and probably not the best part of town. And I opened it, got in it, and I looked around that vehicle and I was impressed. It's like how in the world could somebody destroy a vehicle in less than 10 hours? That thing was messy, had anything in there. I found out that white, uh, Mike loves White Castle. It was everywhere, you know. 
Uh, man, and probably the hardest thing about the entire situation is uh, I'm usually back in the max, right? We can have some of our students in here. And uh, I had this special thing that I said to the side, right? Have you guys ever done something that you were super proud of and it was special, right? Anybody ever done something special? So one day I was feeling like a little frisky. And so I went to the place where I usually go whenever I feel frisky. I went to Walmart. Anybody, got anybody else like that? And I was walking through the aisle, and I saw this, the most gorgeous thing that I, other than my uh, wife and my daughter. Yes, daughter. <laughs> uh, and Jack. Uh, that that I've, I've ever seen in my life. Walking down the aisles, baby, and I see it, and they're all its glory. Like a two-foot-by-two-foot two SpongeBob SquarePants pinata. Look around, make sure my wife wasn't looking. Mm. Put them in the cart. Boy, I got like 10 pounds of candy. And I'm, I'm like pushing the cart through Walmart, stuffing candy. Dreaming dreams, right? And I'm thinking to myself, we're taking this back to the max, baby. 10 pounds of candy. Where am I going to hang this thing from? And I'm back there in the max just thinking about it to myself. I'm going to hang it from the rafter. And thinking to myself, PB is going to kill me if I collapse this roof back here. But you just understand, there's some things that are worth sacrifice, right? This is for the Lord, people. <laughs> Stuff and candy in the SpongeBob, right? Only thing left of SpongeBob was his right foot back there. It broke my spirit. There was also evidence of Mike's chain strewn across the interior of my vehicle. His sin had found him out. And I was left to pick up the pieces. It started to cost me something. I had skin in the game at that time. And I'm unashamed, I'm, I'm definitely ashamed to say my, my reaction was not joy. It was anger at that point. I go over to Mike's house. And I'm standing outside with the police at that time. And uh, the police officers call Mike. And uh, Mike is in Columbus and nowhere to be found. Okay, this is beautiful. Police officer says, do you have anything to do with the hundreds of dollars of stolen property and the stolen vehicle and the stolen cash amounting to well over $1,000. Believe it or not, Mike said no. He said no. In fact, he wasn't able to come and talk to the police about it because he was in Columbus at the moment and he was busy. So I'm talking to the police, and I'm like, hey, I know better than this. So I think you know better than this. And it just so happened that Mike's 18-year-old daughter, his heart, and he actually has a tattoo of her on his, on his left forearm from when she was a little girl. Got it in prison when he wasn't able to be with her. And uh, she just so happened to drive past Mike's apartment that day and saw me and saw the police 
saw where we were. And out of habit, unfortunately, knew what to expect. And as she walked towards me, I was thinking to myself, what do I say? What do I do? I know this young lady, baby in the car, less than two months old. What do you say? My sin was finding me out. So as I'm sitting there and I'm talking to his daughter who had been brokenhearted so many times by her father. Guess what happened? Miraculously, in 30 seconds flat, Mike is back from Columbus. He walks out the doors because he saw his baby girl standing there. And he says, I admit it. I took it all. I took it all. I sold it. It's gone. I'm sorry, Sean. I'm sorry. It's gone. I don't know what to say, Sean. I'm sorry. And he broke out into tears. A grown man, grandfather of three babies, father of two, 40 years old, crying like a baby. As he stared into the face of his sin. And as he revealed to myself, the police, and his daughter, the person he cares about most in this world, his chains, I checked my heart. Looked down at my wrist and saw my own my own chains and realized for as good as my intentions were I put them on myself because I didn't do what the verse says I was too busy worrying about another man's work I put my own on brings us to our second topic Freedom for you. Freedom for me. All right. Let's get interactive. Who here, and don't be ashamed. Let's be honest. We're in church, right? You're supposed to be honest in church, right, Aaliyah? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Who here has ever honked the horn, not a happy, but a, uh, when somebody cuts you off in traffic? I, I see children elbowing parents right now. This is glorious. I wish I had my cell phone. Aaliyah, go get my cell phone. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Who here has ever gotten just a little upset whenever your boss at work has made you this promises of advancement or raises or just has not acknowledged you in the way you felt like you should be? What husband or wife has ever found themselves sleeping next to their spouse full with rage. I see elbows moving again. Sorry. 
the best case, the best time that I could remember in my 42 years where I learned that I needed to be freed myself is whenever I was a child dealing with my father. Just a reminder, as we look at Galatians 6, 4 through 5, it says, Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. My mother, we've established that, Angel. I I love that woman. I miss her to this day. She's been gone for probably about three or four years. Incredible woman. My father... Great man. My father struggled, struggled with severe alcoholism. In the beginning of my life, he was able to handle it. He was able to manage his days. He was able to get up and go to work. But around the time that I was 16, when my eyes were being opened to the world and what really was going on, I was learning that my father best time spent for him was spent with a bottle and not me and not my brothers and definitely not my mother. And I became cold with each passing day as I became more aware and I studied the sins of my father. I became a master at not only what he was guilty of, but how he should have been performing. And let me tell you, at 17 years old, I was the best father you could have met. At at 17 years old, I was a great man. Fast forward a few years of my life. I'm 18, 20-ish, early 20s. I've met the love of my life, Lacey Wren, who is over there. Uh, And uh, we make a trip home to see my family, uh, and, I, and I come into the house. Now, see, I was happy by this point because I had es- escaped it. I had escaped the every day, no lights on. I don't know if anybody's sitting in here, but the brokenness that you feel when uh, you go over to your friend's house, and they have a mom, and they have a dad, and they have lights. Has anybody ever been jealous for lights? Has anybody ever been jealous for running water? And each of these, all, and even though they're good things, fueled my anger towards my father. But I still came home to see mama. Still came home to see my mom. One of my best friends. And one of these days, as my, my girlfriend at the time, or fiance at the time, uh, and I, we walk into the house, and we would walk in the door, and immediately he walked straight into the kitchen. And I walk in, and unfortunately, I wasn't surprised at all, but I saw my father in a drunken stupor. I moved a little further up the stairs, the three stairs, and as I got to the top of the third stair, I saw my father hovering over my mother, and my mother all down, ready, ready. And of course, after all that training of how to be a great man, I step up. Good intentions, right? Righteously, right? 
selfishly. Get away from her. Get away from her. And in a moment, he turns, he grabs a knife, and he comes at me. He's taking his attention off his mother, and he's coming at me. Not even five feet away. My fiance is right behind me. I asked her just the other day, how did you feel when that happened? She said, scared to death. Scared to death. I didn't have time to think. I reacted. And I struck my dad. And he fell to the floor like a ton of bricks. And as I looked down at him, for the first time, my heart broke. Not for what he had done, but for what I had done. Listen, people, it was, it was almost instantaneous that God brought to my attention his commandment. You know it. I was not living it. Honor your mother and your father. Sean, honor your mother and your father, son. Father on the ground, knife to the side of him. He's not moving. Jesus, help me. I put him on myself. I placed him on myself. I placed him tight. They were tight. And I felt, I felt the scales fall from my eyes. As I realized this entire time, I was focused on the works of another man as opposed to focusing on the strength and the power of a mighty God. A mighty God. The same God who died on that cross was able to take them off of me. I chose to keep them there. Now, I might be the only person here, but there's been times in my life when I've checked myself, like my mom said, check yourself before you wreck yourself, but sometimes you catch yourself not listening to your mother, and you, and you realize that you've already wrecked. Anybody ever been there? Should have listened to mama. Should have listened to God. And I looked at my dad on that ground, and I realized... I've been the guilty one all along. While I was standing there the entire time looking at my father and thinking to myself that I was standing up for good. 
I was pounding his nails in further to the cross. If God had forgiven me the same way that I forgave my father up until that point, there would be no hope for me. But he he made me realize something so beautiful. That there was freedom for me. And with my heart in the condition that it was and still is, I need freedom every day. I was reading through the Bible and I caught this passage and it just it's it's wonderful. Second Corinthians twelve, nine. And it says, each time he said, my grace, Sean Wren, is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. The power of Christ can work through you and through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness. That's why I take pleasure in the insults. That's why I take pleasure in all the hardships, in the persecutions, in the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And what do you do when you're staring in the face of a Savior? And you look at the rags that you have on. And you thought you had to figure out this entire time. You thought it was right. You thought you were good. But in the presence of the cross, in the presence of the cross, I became uniquely aware that I, I, I needed him. I needed forgiveness, and so I sought him out, and I repented. There may be somebody here in these chairs, people, I love you, but please let me be plain with you. You may be sitting here, and you may need to be, you may need to seek his forgiveness. Somebody here may not have ever asked for his forgiveness. Somebody may not even recognize him as the their God. He is your God. And I would just strongly urge you to make a decision for him. Maybe you're the oppressor. Maybe you're the one that has hurt somebody. I would urge you because we don't want you to miss out on on, on the glory that is before us. That brings us to our final point. A good point. It's good news. It's really good news. That's freedom for the harvest. A couple days ago, uh, I heard a strange noise coming from the pipes in my house. Now, my mother-in-law, she's over at my house all the time, and she'll tell you, my house is always making some sort of noise, right? This one was different. I called a plumber, and the plumber said, oh, I know exactly what's going on. You live in the country, right? Yeah, I live in the country. 
And it says, you see, sometimes whenever it rains, whenever it rains, sometimes I tell you people it feels like it rains all the time, right? Sometimes, if, and especially here near Marion, Ohio, all the time, baby. My grass is looking good. My grass looks great. Uh, but that rain has, well, let me tell you something I'm thankful for. I told you I got seven kids, right? I'm okay with the grass getting watered all the time. I feel strongly that's why God gave me seven kids. I got two right now that can cut that grass, <laughs> leaving me scot-free. Lacey Rand and I, we had a plan. <laughs> so, But the lady on the opposite end of the phone said to me, you know, the, the, this is a problem. The rain, the rain's a problem. You need to be very worried about it. Because with the rain, it's going to cause your septic system to rise. Do we have any country folks out here? Do you know what septic system rising means? It means you're going to have a mess on your hands, literally. And I hung up the phone, and after the experiences that I had gone through with my father in the past, and experiences that I was just going through at that current time with my friend, Mike, I realized to most people in this life, the rain is a nuisance. The rain is what brings that stuff up, right? It's what puts those chains on. But oh, if we could only change our perspective and look at it from the way that God sees it, right? He tells you as his child that the rain is not a nuisance. It's the rain that brings forth the harvest. The rain only mattering is only good for people who have seeds in the ground. Now, I don't know about you, but as I stand up here, I have some seed in the ground. I have some things that I've been wishing for and some things that I've been praying for and some people that I've been praying for. Some situations that are far beyond the control of me. That I need a mighty God. I need a mighty God to come in and put his hands on. His nail-scarred hands. And he gives us a promise in Galatians 6. If you do not grow weary in doing good, if you forgive those who have hurt you, Sean, if you forgive your father, I'll set you free. I'll set you free. Those tears will become tears of joy. I'll set you free. Let me tell you, God has blessed me with an abundant harvest. Wonderful life. He's been so good to me, way better than I deserve. One of the things that I'm most passionate about is on a daily basis, he surrounds me with young men and young women who may be struggling to forgive. They may not know that there's a hope 
And God puts me in a position to introduce hope into the lives of people. So maybe you're sitting here today. Maybe your heart is broken from something that happened recently. Maybe you've been in chains for decades. We serve a mighty God who is only hungering in this moment to set you free. Freedom. Freedom can be yours today. You can have it. You can have it. It could be yours. Maybe you perhaps are the person that caused that pain and the guilt and shame of what you've done. Maybe nobody even knows about it. Maybe you feel it coursing through your veins right now. That freedom was intended for you as well. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to bow our head and close our eyes and allow you to have an intimate moment with your Savior. We're going to invite the prayer team to come up if they are available. There's somebody here who needs to be free today. There's somebody here who wants to remove the chains. Today is your day. This is the day that you were created for. They're waiting. They're waiting for you. Up in heaven, they're waiting for you to make that move to submit, to stand in front of a God, the only one that has the keys, not only to your chains on your wrists, but to the gates of hell. We have a Savior that was willing to go before us and take it for us. If you sit here and you fall into one of those categories, as I know I do, I want you to quickly throw your hands into the air. Are you the oppressor? Have you been hurt? Do you need to know him for the first time today? This is your day. God had your name on his mind whenever he saw this moment. Anybody else? Anybody else, this is your day. He wants to welcome you in. He wants to love you. Surrender. Surrender. Amen. 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 All right. Well, thank you very much, guys. I definitely appreciate your time. Uh, Thank you very much for your time.